0: At the time in history that Paul wrote this, Christians were on the run. Christians were on the run. Christians were on the run. They had no rights and they were in great danger. Paul actually wrote this letter while on house arrest in Rome. And despite the circumstances, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus describing the fullness and richness of life in Christ. Paul knew that if the Ephesians understood who they were and began to live in Christ, the world would never be the same. The same can be true for today. If we understand what it means to live in Christ. If we understand what it means to live in Christ, if we understood what it meant to live in Christ, if we understand what it means to live in Christ. To be the church, our city and our world would never be the same. Never be the same. Would never be the same. It would never be the same. It would never be the same. Happy Mother's Day to each one of you, moms, grandmothers, and welcome to you on Facebook Live. We started this morning with a little bit of a technical glitch, but Tech Team, thank you for persevering and welcome to each one of you that are watching online this morning. Um, Let's begin by prayer and then we'll dig into God's Word. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the wonder of technology that allows us to, to be connected to people literally all over our nation Father, I thank you for the people that you have brought this morning to worship with us in this building. And Father, I pray whether it's online or or here in the room, God, that your Holy Spirit would take control, that the truth of your word would grab us and just not let us go. Lord, that we would be literally changed, transformed through your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for this living word. We thank you that it's in us, and we thank you that we get to share in it today. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1961, the Soviets built a wall through the middle of Germany. It was known as the Berlin Wall. That wall stood for 28 years until that moment in history when then-President then President Reagan was standing by that wall, and he turned and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Two years later, it was removed. The passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning is talking about a wall of partition, a wall that separated, a wall that divided. As I was beginning to prepare for this week, I was sharing with the worship team this morning that on four different occasions, a mother walked up to me and said, I am afraid for my children. Afraid. And they didn't mean like, oh, I'm scared for them to run outside that they might catch a cold. In fact, they meant much more than that. They said, inside of me there is deep fear that something could happen to my child. And I thought, Lord, this is Mother's Day. And this is when you're supposed to stand up and say, moms are good and moms are blessed. And moms wipe my nose and moms are there when I need them. But if we're living in a world where moms are sitting around saying, I am scared then we need to ask God what his word says and what do we need to do so we're going to stay right where we were in the book of Ephesians because amazingly by God's sovereignty his word lines up with where we are and I love that but I want to tell you as we are talking about life and fear and what God's doing I want to tell you first of all I want to give not that Paul needs my vote but I want to give you a little bit of Paul's credibility in this situation you know his backstory, right? He was the Jew of Jews. He was the hater of Christians. He was the persecutor of Christians. He was, at, whether he actually committed murder or not, he was certainly aided and abetting, abetted in the killing of Christian people. He had an encounter with Christ on the Damascus Road. His heart was changed. His life was changed. But even though he changed, the climate around him did not change, it was racially tense. It was politically tense. It was religiously tense. It was culturally tense. In fact, it was so tense that in the middle of the temple, there was a wall known as the dividing wall. The dividing wall was right down the middle. Now, by the way, it was very pretty if you go read about it. It was a marble, wonderful. You would have looked at that wall and said, now, that's a wall. But you know what? No matter how pretty you make it, sin is ugly. ugly. And in the middle of the temple, there was a dividing wall when Paul was writing the book of Ephesians. And Jews got to sit on one side and Gentiles had to sit on the other side. And even though they went to worship together, they couldn't worship together because of everything that was going on around them. And so in the middle of that, with racial tension and cultural tension and political tension, by the way, the only thing that most of the Jews and the Gentiles knew was oppression. Because of the Roman government. That's what was happening. So in that context, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to write. And I just want to read it to you. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading in verse 11. We'll actually read to the end of the chapter. It'll take us a second, but I absolutely believe it's worth it. So Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember... Now, he's just told them that they've been made alive, that they are alive in Christ, that there is no division, that they are one body, one people, and all is good. He says, but remember, remember I tell you all the time, never forget that moment that you knew that Christ was calling you, that you were a sinner, separated from God by sin. He says, remember, there was a time you were separated. Remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision." by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. So they were separated because they were without Christ, um, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. The Gentiles were not only separated because they didn't know Christ, they were separated because they were Jewish, they were separated from the commonwealth of Israel, and they were actually strangers from the covenants of the promise. So everything that God had told to the Jews... He did not tell to the Gentiles at this moment, so they were separated. Can you say it with me? Separated. Didn't get to be apart. You know what it is like to walk into a room, and the loneliest place in the world is a crowd. You know what I'm talking about? We went to a place yesterday, and we didn't know the culture. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to act. We went to the Renaissance Festival. It was a wonderful thing, but I didn't know what to do. And so as I was walking around in a crowd, I was like okay, I'm going to watch you to see what I need to do next. I decided I better not watch you to see what I do next. And so I began to walk around and go, okay. But a crowd does not guarantee comfort. In fact, a crowd can guarantee discomfort. So here are the Gentiles. They're invited to church, but they can't be in church because they're separated. So let's keep on reading. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one. Uh-oh, both one? Who is he talking about? Jew and Gentile, right? He said he's made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself One new man. Say it with me, one new man. That's Jew and Gentile. That means we're one through Christ. Um, He is um, to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for the dwelling place, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Lord, there's a lot in this. Would you interpret it this morning and help us to understand it? In Christ's name, amen. In 1964, Martin Luther King Jr. was about to receive, well-deserved receive, The um, Nobel Peace Prize, the night before the giving of of the prize, he was gathered with friends and cohorts and people who were celebrating, and the party is about to really begin. And at that moment, just before the party begins, Dr. King Sr. stands up and he says, Before we give our toast to the world, let's give our toast to the one who made it possible. He went on to say he had always wanted to make a contribution and that through the sovereignty of God that he did not even understand. He says that God went down through Georgia, and he touched my wife and I, and he gave us Martin Luther King Jr., and through him our contribution has been made. Well, can I tell you that I want to make a contribution? I love those words. I want to make a contribution. Gail and I want to make a difference. In fact, we cried out to God and we said, God, would you allow us to make a difference? And in His sovereignty, He came down through Georgia and He called us out of Valdosta to a place called Jonesboro, South Atlanta. And He put us in the middle of a city that is racially diverse. And he gave us the opportunity to preach to the nations that Jesus Christ is king, that Jesus Christ broke down the dividing wall, the partition, and he said, You are one body, one people. Come together, love each other, and worship me. I keep going back to those moms that said, My children are afraid. I'm afraid for my children. You see, I want you to make a contribution. I want us to make a difference. I want us to stand up in the face of what is not popular and what is a growing environment of hostility and alienation and division through Satan. I want us to stand up and say, but in Christ we are one. In Christ we are one body. In fact, as we read that passage of Scripture, he said that through the apostles and the prophets he laid a foundation, right? And then he said, he called us out one by one. How do you build a brick house? One brick at a time, right? He looked over and he said, I want you, and I want you, and I want you. And I want you to be held together, and I want you to build up. He says, but lest you think this building's going to fall, there is a cornerstone in place. And his name is Christ. Foundation of the prophets, foundation of the apostles. Brick by brick we're together. One body, the dividing wall, the partition is gone. We are the people of Christ. In fact, he said, I want to come together with a new man from the two, making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. We are called to be more. We are called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be together we're called to be separate from the world but yet together in christ he says we are no longer strangers and aliens which really is interesting if you read this passage because if you read verses 11 and 12 it says therefore remember that you once gentiles who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without christ and you were aliens Strangers to the commonwealth. You didn't know each other and you didn't know Christ. You had no hope. But then drop down to verse 19. Because in verse 19 he says, Now therefore you're no longer those things. So I think for what, for what we need to unpack this morning is what happened between 12 and 19. What happened in 13 through 18. What took us from strangers and aliens and not loving each other and not getting along To making us one people. Because let me tell you moms, I think therein lies the key to fear. To overcoming the fear. To making a difference in the world that we live in. To being different. And you say, oh no, surely God's not calling me. Oh, surely on Mother's Day He is calling you. On Mother's Day He is calling every one of us to stand up, to lock arms and to say, here we are. We're the body of Christ, bought through the blood, created in the seed of Adam to stand up and make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. In fact, notice the changes. No longer strangers, no longer aliens. Fellow citizens with the saints, part of the same household of God. We have the common foundation. Verse 20 says, It is the Lord Jesus Christ having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He's calling us. He's calling us out. He's building something. It's known as the church, the common dwelling. Now listen to me. They used the phrase temple. Temple was the place that God resided in the New Testament you, your body is the temple. It is the place that God resides. And inside of us, where God has, is now residing, He's telling us to draw together, to come together. He's telling us to take this temple and build a church, and the church is the people. He's telling us to walk out of here and do whatever we must to let people see that there's hope in Christ, there's unity in Christ, there's togetherness in Christ, that there is a place where when children come here that they will be loved and they will know who they are in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is a change. We're no longer some things, but we are part of something much greater. There's a common foundation, it's Christ. There's a common dwelling for that, it is the church. And then in these verses right here also he tells us the reason for reconciliation. A place for God to live among us and make himself known and enjoyed forever and ever. You see, when we come together and say we're going to make it better as the body of Christ, we get the benefit of better, but that's not really the goal of the better. The goal of the better is is that we walk side by side, locked arm in arm, as we walk out of here and say Jesus is hope, then people see Christ, He is glorified, and they realize that, wait a minute, I've been living as a stranger and an alien in a land where I don't have to. Through Christ, I'm made alive. Now that takes courage. That takes energy. That takes effort. That takes us as the people saying, I don't care what's going on around me. I'm going to step out and step into. What was the song? It's it's an old song in church. Um, You're my brother. You're my sister. Come take me by the hand. And I can't remember the rest of it. But the truth is, it's here we are, locked. And Satan can't separate us because the bond of Christ is greater. I told you earlier that lest you think, well, it's surely not as bad now. As it was, or was it, it was better then than it is now. Remember, there was religious divide. The Gentiles did not get citizen status. The Gentiles didn't get to go to church and sit with the Jewish people. There was cultural divide. There was racial divide. You could even put a check mark and say there was political divide, and it was bad. There was they the government, the Roman government, oppressed. All of this was going on. And yet in the middle of that, God chose to pen these wonderful inspired words that we are reading today. The scripture says that there was reconciliation and unity out of alienation and separation. So what happened? What happened between 12 and 19? What are the facts of 13 through 18? Let's go back again and look at it. In verse um, 13. But now, in Christ, you were far off. You've been brought near by the blood. Wait a minute. There was a death. Now, I like to think about the living Christ, but listen to me without the dying Christ, there is no reconciliation. He had to die. He had to shed His blood. He had to be there. What happened? <laughs> Jesus died. You were formerly a far off, 13b tells us. It's the flesh of Christ. Look at verse 15. It says to us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained. He brought us near. And we see it in the word of the cross in verse 16. When it reads to us this way. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby putting to death. Do you see what he did there? He says that I abolished the enmity between God and man. And I really like that one. Because you know why I like that one? I'm not going to hell. But I have to read the whole passage because the whole passage says that through the cross, through the blood, through the flesh, he not only eliminated the enmity between God and man, but he said, I am making it possible for there not to be enmity between humanity. I tore down the wall. Now listen to me. The church is living like there's a wall. And somebody's got to stand up and be the difference. Mount Zion, we are wonderfully poised to be the difference. Our community is diverse. Our church is diverse. Our lives are diverse. And all we've got to do is in the middle of the diversity sprinkle Jesus and let people see Him. And so, as they see Him, they see us living by faith and working it out. He says that we were once strangers. But we've been reconciled. We're reconciled to God. We're reconciled to each other. And then there's a new creation. One new people. God aims. God's desire is to create one people in Christ who are reconciled to each other across racial lines not strangers not aliens not enmity not far off fellow citizens of one Christian city of God one church for habitation of God and he did this at the cost of his son's life again we love to dwell on the reconciliation of God to man but equally as important is man to man remember Matthew 28 In that area, Matthew 22, actually, 37 and 38. They looked at Jesus trying to trip him up at a moment like this, and they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, oh, the greatest one is to love God. You want to be reconciled to God. He said, but lest you stop there, let me tell you what the second commandment is, to love your neighbor as you do yourself. Now, listen to me. Not everybody wants to be loved. There are going to be some people that push back. But the command is not to love until people push back. The command is to keep on loving until there is a difference, until there is a change, until we begin to see people coming together as the body of Christ. Christ died to reconcile us to God. Christ died to reconcile us to one another. John Piper said, Christ died to take enmity and anger away from your heart toward all other persons who are in Christ by faith, whatever the race. So what do we do with that? And yes, this is intentionally short. Yes, you don't have to be long to be be impactful, to make an impact. I want you to go home and enjoy time with your family because we're going to reconcile today. That's what we're going to do. Yes, we are. Listen to me. What do we do? How do we do it? What does it look like? It looks like a lot of things, but I think it could start here. Speak to people each week. I told you earlier, a crowd can be the loneliest place in the world. Look for people you don't know. And go out of your way to say, how are you today? I'm Chris. I'm so and so. Tell me a little bit about yourself hey, we have Bible study on Wednesday night. Would you join me? Once a month, we eat dinner together. Every Sunday night, we hang out with the community. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to join you. I'm in a life group. Would you come be a part of it? This morning, I went to a different church for the early service uh, for Chase's uh, baby dedication. And I walked in and... I didn't introduce myself as, hi, I'm Pastor Chris from Mount Zion Baptist Church here to see my grandson's baby dedication. I just walked in and acted like I didn't know what was going on, although I did know what was going on. And from the moment I got to the door, somebody looked and said, thank you for being here. They took me to the next point, they dropped me off, they sat me down, and then somebody walked by, not intrusively, but walked by and said, thank you for being here today. I told the lady, I said, well, if it's not good, I'm getting up and leaving right in the middle. <laughs> she didn't know. <laughs> uh, but I wrote a note to the pastor and I said, this is what I did, so call me. <laughs> but he's a friend. Um, but that's, that's what we need to do. We need to welcome new people. We need to look. And it's not just welcome, but what do we say? You're also wanted. you're not just welcome and you're not just wanted but if we're going to be Mount Zion Baptist Church with no partition you're needed you're needed come with us get to know someone of a different ethnicity or culture and you say surely you cannot be in this church and not know someone of a different ethnicity or culture I didn't mean say hi to them I said get to know them experience life together is it going to be awkward for some maybe so but who cares i'm sure jesus hanging naked on that cross was awkward but he sure did it for you so you didn't have to be a stranger so get to know people get to know culture get to the place where you can learn to appreciate different styles of worship Seek to live out reconciliation. Pray for changed hearts. Maybe that one should have been first. So I'm going to ask you this morning. What are you going to do different in light of the blood? In light of the flesh that was shed? In light of the cross, how are you going to live differently the rest of this day, tomorrow? What's it going to look like for you? Because I remember this, and this happens a lot in my life. um, I remember my pastor looked at me one day, and I had been misbehaving in church. And he said, Chris, I want you to know something. You are responsible before God for what you hear. He said, but let me tell you this. You're responsible before God for what's said as if you were listening. In other words, just because I'm going, la, 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 that's good words, but I'm not changing. You're responsible before God. You see, this is what God said. I died to reconcile you to Christ. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I died to reconcile you to one another. So why that on Mother's Day? Because as we come together, as we walk arm in arm, as we love people, we can make a difference. I'll give you one last challenge. As my mom says, go home and get on the Google. Go home and get on the Google and Google neighborhoods that have been transformed when the community came together. And you don't even have to do when the church came together. Just do when the church came together. I mean, when the community came together. And look what's happened. There's some amazing stories of transformation. There's amazing stories of communities that weren't safe to walk the street. Of amazing stories of communities where there was division and hate. Where there is no longer any of that. And it now is a safe place to live and a wonderful place to go. And people are moving in to raise their children. Because somebody dared. To be the difference. I love what Dr. King's father said. I want to make a contribution. Do you? Through the blood of Christ, we.